Hey, everybody, got a little pre-intro before the real intro here. Uh, I made a mistake. It's not the first time I did it. And at the beginning of this episode, I called our guest, whose name is Benny Wills. I called him Benny Willis. Apparently, that's not too tough of a mistake to make, according to him. But I wanted to get out in front of this thing in case some of Benny's friends and fans come over here to check out this conversation. I don't want to start things off on the wrong foot with y'all. Benny's awesome. This conversation is really fun. I know you're going to enjoy it. So here we go with Benny Wills, not Willis. <laughs> he cracks me at the end and it's kind of funny, but yeah, enjoy it. Welcome to the One Within All, Back to the Interverse podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Chance. And as we are wrapping up one of the craziest years that, I, I mean, not one of, is there really any year that's been crazier in anybody's lifetime than 2020? I'm sure there has not been, unless it was uh, subjectively crazier for them as an individual. But man, what an interesting world we're in. And to uh, cap off this phenomenal Thrilling roller coaster ride. We're going to be talking to Benny Willis. He's the man behind, or one of the guys behind, the Joy Camp YouTube channel that's been recommended to me for a long time. And I finally started exploring recently. He's a, a funny guy. You could even call him a comedian. <laughs> he uh, is a poet and he shares the truth as he sees it uh, fearlessly and courageously and with a lot of care and with a lot of heart. And it's awesome that he hit me up to see if I wanted to talk. And I was like, heck yes. So this is going to be an excellent meeting of the minds and we will see where we go with it. But to kick things off, I'm going to read a poem <laughs> that I think is just so perfect. It's a few, it's three verses. All right. So this is one of Benny's works, I would assume, since it's on the about page of his YouTube channel, which by the way, you can find in the show notes for this episode, just like always. But here we go. Behold. Hold on. I think the title of this poem is Description. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Behold, the noble peacock for whom the world's a stage. Excellence regales his feathered tail as he peacocks through the age. He's the embodiment of wonderment, a reminder to be wonderful. His eloquent self-confidence da dances darkness back to colorful. Behold, the silly peacock whose squawking echoes laughter, a recipe for levity to help you laugh hereafter. He's the consummate professional professing not to be so serious. He lets you know that letting go restores for more hilarious. Behold the mighty peacock, radiant and flourishing. Behold him as he takes the snake and makes its poison nourishing. The alchemy of malintent made good to make him strong, emboldened by the venomous to sing his squawky song. I am the peacock. Goo goo gajoob. <laughs> and with that, let's bring Bill, Benny in here. What's up, man? Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Chance. I really appreciate it. I've never heard anyone else read one of my poems before, so that was a quite a thrilling experience for me. <laughs> <laughs> and what an honor it is to be the one who caps off your year, your 2020 podcast year. Wow, that's uh, that's really cool. Yeah, I think that I'm I might get another recording in like with patrons only, but. 
I've got some material to finish out right now this year, and I might even take a break. <laughs> we'll see, but a well-deserved break. Yeah, I've been looking forward to talking with you since you hit me up. I I think that there's many in the audience that are familiar with you through Joy Camp or through your own page. <laughs> when I send uh, screenshots of memes from your Monday meme stream, people are like, "Oh yeah, I love that guy. He's funny." So oh, I cool. think that it's you know way overdue for us to meet. But I want to know more about you because I'm actually quite new to you. So you know, who are you, man? <laughs> who am I, man? Uh, where to begin? Well, I'm a California native who recently escaped a couple of years ago, and I was a I was pursuing the acting dream. That was my thing for many years, from childhood until I guess even late twenties, early thirties. And uh, along the way, I started noticing, let's say, inconsistencies in official stories, and started questioning uh, authority, and started to really unravel. I guess a great conspiracy and figured out that I could reach people through comedy in ways that conversation couldn't and link sharing and, you know, news articles or whatever. And, uh, started to apply what I was learning as an actor and as a creator and as a presenter and a performer into a creative medium. And it really took off. And that launched me into, uh, I guess, going to conferences around the world. And I decided to write poetry and tried it on at one conference without telling anybody. I decided to do a whole, a whole speaking slot as a performer, a poet, poet performer. And uh, that was received really well. So I've been performing as a poet at conferences, truth-based conferences for the last few years. I'm now located in the Pacific Northwest with my beautiful wife, who I met at a commercial audition in California couple, well, I guess in four years ago, when we just gave, well, she just gave birth to our first child eight weeks ago. So now I'm a new dad, husband, family man, and uh, yeah, seeing, uh, riding out the wave, as it were, and figuring out ways to reach people um, in spite of the division and polarization. I love it, dude. And, you know, you're not the only truth podcasting funny guy who just had a baby a guy i really like jp sears just had his too. i saw so that congratulations to both of you guys i wanted yeah. to bring him up as another example because i i think that uh you're exactly right that bringing humor to the situation it's not just something that will maybe hold someone's attention better but it actually is a healing mechanism you know we do that to uh remind ourselves of who we are even in the face of what is being shown to us that we know we're that we don't want any part of that doesn't serve us and i mean almost not everything that's funny but a lot of things that are funny do have like a seed of trauma in them for us to uh you know that we're drawing our own attention to or just like bringing levity to i think levity is such an awesome word and I, what what you said about starting out in the acting thing i just want to say that it's really important that even though we, we see how demonic Hollywood is, that we don't like rule out everybody that's over there. I know a lot of amazing, amazing creators that came out of trying to hustle there and started doing their own thing and have been a huge help to the world. And the point is that uh, Dylan Sicoccio, he's, he's been on a few times and he's, he came from that same world. And he talked about how 
those are some of the hardest working uh, creative people in the universe because just to even try to make it out there, you have to like try so hard. So to to be at that level and maybe even be finding some success and then like pivot to doing what you think the world needs more. That's really, it's really commendable, man. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I really have enjoyed, well, I enjoyed your talk with Dylan, the most recent one. Uh, and I can, I agree with everything he said about Hollywood. And I grew up in Hollywood. My parents were both actors. They met at an audition. My dad worked. I mean, he lives off his SAG pension to this day. So I, he was a working actor uh, for a long time. My mom as well. And I grew up in that business. And I can safely say that most people have no idea what they're participating in. Most people are going there because it is the, it's a hub. It's a metropolis. It's this pulsing, you know, there's, Los, Los Angeles is one of a kind. There's no other place like it in the world. People go there to pursue a dream that, uh, and that's it. Like most of the dream, the dream is not what people think it is, which is why whether you, re, whether you become a TV actor or not, most people end up disappointed by Hollywood because they don't really know what they're doing. I think the dream is rather empty, but they don't know they're participating in, you know, something wicked or something that is absolutely there to propagandize and, uh, you know, the least help, uh, help shape people's idea of reality. They don't know that they're there because they want to be actors and they want to have that lifestyle. And, that goes for everyone in the business, cinematographers, directors, writers, editors, producers, even they don't know. Some do. But everyone I've ever known in Hollywood, I would safely say, have no idea what they're participating in. And that's important. Yeah, we can't just demonize all the people involved in the institution, even something as insidious as government, right? Like uh, the way that all mafias work is with massive compartmentalization where, like you said, they don't know what they're participating in. Uh, they're as illiterate to symbolism a lot of the time as the people taking in the media, right? You talked about uh, at the beginning stumbling upon the grand conspiracy. And I think 2020 is the year where, as uh, a lot of us are noticing, like the things are happening so fast that what people like you and me were saying, they're about to do eight months ago, they are now doing it. And then the, the people calling us conspiracy theorists back then are now saying, well, it's, they're doing it for your health. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. my question is like, you know, maybe what is the grand conspiracy in your, in your view? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's tough. I don't know if it's the grand conspiracy or a grand conspiracy. I don't know what the grand conspiracy is, but I can, there's certainly, there's certainly some forces at work here in this realm that want to absolutely shape our reality and everything about it. And there are, they do it by means of toxicity on every level. There's a, you know, there, everything is toxic and we have to, we have to really be conscious of how to detoxify ourselves. I mean, physically, spiritually, emotionally, everything. It's a real, there, it is real. And it's a, I would say it's a conspiracy that we are intentionally diseased and unhealthy. And um, I think it's rather undeniable. Uh, and to the, the extent of, you know, 
the reach of that or who's behind it. And ah, that gets really, that, that's like when you get into the weeds, but you can definitely like acknowledge that there's, there's I think forces at work that want us distracted, want us unhealthy, want us dependent, want us divided. And uh, yeah, I think that's all part of a grand conspiracy. I think what you're pointing to is like, what a conspiracy is, is people acting in unison towards a common goal or in a common direction in a sense, like in the, the most colloquial definition, right? Yeah. But that means that what you're describing, we're the ones, we're the conspirators. We're co-conspirators every time that we, uh, it, you know, are willfully ignorant of participating in things that are harming us. And what's trippy about it is that a lot of it, most of it, we're just born into it, didn't get the choice till later. And it's very, it's very interesting now how this, we're all probably seeing that, okay, well, how can we disentangle ourselves from Babylon, but also not starve and also have like, still have a quality of life we're used to. And it's a tricky balance to strike. But yeah, I think getting, it's interesting and can be very useful to look at like who's behind what. But so much of it is coming to, to us through a screen that, at the end of the day, uh, we need to be definitely working on ourselves, that detoxifying. I think it's like toxicity can look at that as the opposite of levity in a way. It's that which is weighing us down and holding us back. And levity is this harmonious capability we have to uh, uplift. I think the human spirit left on unfettered does just kind of naturally have that levity and rise. Well said. Absolutely. I mean, I have an eight-week-old eight son. And it's a brand new experience for me. And I don't really have much context because I, I'm the youngest in my family. So this is my first time really being around a baby so much. And it's my child. So I'm like, you know, it's, a, it's profound. And seeing his development just in eight weeks, and it, it, I like these simple yet rather profound like clarities about the human experience just by observing him. You know, he... He knows how to express discomfort and how to express joy. Those are his two fundamental reactions. Discomfort, I need to be changed. I need to eat. Um, I'm cold or I'm warm or whatever it is. And sometimes I don't know. But, uh, and then when he's happy, he smiles. And it's that simple. He shows discomfort and he shows, man, that was like pleasure, but contentment or e levity, ease of being. And that's his two fundamental primary places. Um, and that's profound. And the other thing about him that's really like just made me really understand, again, sort of a grand conspiracy, um, what's going on right now anyway, is he would die if Sonia, my wife, and I didn't care for him. The, a human being comes into this world so in need. We need. We're all here. You and I are here because someone or some people made sure that we didn't die, that they, yeah. we were fed. I'm dropping, I'm dropping like baby truth bombs. <laughs> Internet isn't like that. Anyway, what I'm saying is that we're born in need. He needs me. And right now, more than ever, they're trying to separate us. They, the grand conspiracy. We're being, we're being divided from each other more than ever. And we're being literally distanced from each other. And we need each other. We're being quarantine away from each other and told not to be around each other because we are diseased or we might carry a disease or you know we might make someone sick and germs and all this but we actually as a species need 
be around each other. Even someone who claims to be a introvert or they like being alone, they still crave some kind of friendship, some kind of companionship, because that's what we are born needing someone there, someone to help out, someone to lean on. And that's been so destructive in what they've done this year, this social distancing and stay at home, don't hug. You know, all this stuff is just absolutely insane. And making your neighbor and your friend your friends and family like somehow potential terrorists to your health. It's so criminal. Anyway, these are some of the some of the profound like things I'm witnessing, simple profound things I'm learning from being a father after eight weeks. Man, yeah, and I, I think all the time about I think I may have told this story before, but there's a is there's so much that that baby is absorbing for years until it's I mean it, we're always absorbing our environment and the the vibes of the people around us but you know if you were a parent that wore a mask around your child all the time would they bond with you the same way I mean it's sad I'm not saying this to like throw shade at people that have worn masks around their children I just want to think about this like it hurts me when I see in a grocery store a little like a four or five year old kid with his mom, both wearing the mask and a, an older woman walks up to them and is waving. And and uh, the kid hides behind his mom's legs and his mom says, oh, that's just your grandma. You don't recognize her with her mask on, you know, like it's that's messed up. That's all I have to say. It's messed up. It's stripping us of our humanity. It's really criminal to go to be, go in public and you, know, you can't smile at each other anymore. It's that's that's how we maintain our humanity. That's how we can cross, you know, the boundaries that divide us politically and whatever our opinions are by inter- engaging in commerce, like going to the grocery store and having a conversation with the person checking checking you out. You engage, you smile, you talk, and now without being able to see part of your face, like that's the humanity's gone. They like empathy. Is being taken away. It's awful. Yeah, but look, in a materialistic worldview, none of that matters. All that matters is that the physical germ particle is blocked by your <laughs> face diaper. No, man. I, You're right. The it's smile right. is such a big deal, though. Like, I think three times, I'm not even kidding, three times in this whole thing, and maybe it's a less extreme area that I live in, but three times since the mandates has someone, like, you know, giving me a hard time about not having my face covered. And two of the three times, the situation was completely disarmed by me smiling real big at them and saying something. I don't even know what I said, but just like, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> you don't have to even fight about it. And also humor is such a useful tool. I, I heard Owen Benjamin make this joke first, but I'm sure it's been made a lot. You just say, are you facially profiling me? <laughs> just <laughs> laugh about it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I actually, I've been lucky that I haven't been. No one has given me a hard time at all yet. Uh, Sonia, on the other hand, has had some people give her a hard time. I don't know if it's because I'm like a tall dude or something, but it was, she's been kind of talked down to. A few, and also when she was pregnant, which really pisses me off, because usually like a woman that pregnant will uh, bring out the best in people, but she got these looks like she was just the worst potential you know, future mom. And that's frustrating. But I haven't had any kind of run in. But then again, we also live in a more, I guess, a more conservative area. And for whatever reason, this has been politicized and the conservative side of things don't really, uh, if they aren't buying it as much. Wait, so you're, 
you're alt right then. That makes you alt right. I'm, I'm actually too. far right according to <laughs> David Rothschild. Yeah, I saw go. I saw that that you uh, were in some report. <laughs> yeah, so David Rothschild on November 25th, he put together some sort of like him and some other people put together some big like analysis of the internet and YouTube and echo chambers, and then they listed. Like who who you might find in these different categories. And Joy Camp, my comedy YouTube channel, was listed as far right, which just shows that there's no this is not rooted in any sort of truth. There's no definition for far right. Because we are apolitical. If anything, I was still coming out of being like liberal back then when I was in LA. And to be considered far right, like what are your terms? <laughs> what do you define as far right? Like, uh, but I'm, I'm actually just honored to make the cut. Like, I'm on the list. Like, that's a, we made it. We did it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, if you have powerful enemies, that must mean that you are up to a serious challenge, my friend. Not that I even look at even the ones compiling that information as my enemy. I don't. But what I find so interesting is how we just have this move that we do in this type of society where you label something and then that makes it so that makes even just the word echo chamber i mean obviously far right is a label to try to like marginalize you and separate you from people but calling what is actually a movement of people connecting and sharing information that they find and speaking the truth as they see it we're calling that an echo chamber now to to try to point out that it actually doesn't mean anything it's just their opinions cycling around with each other but that <laughs> You see what I mean? Like, what what echo chamber? Like, how is that even? Why why does that matter? But it works on people to hear stuff like that, even though they might actually be in a literal echo chamber, which is the controlled mainstream fake news echo chamber. Totally. Yeah. Well, that's why I was really intrigued by your interview with Dylan, because I wasn't familiar with him before. And I just bought his book. It just arrived yesterday. Because I think there is so much power in words and wordplay. And we don't really understand, you know, we don't know what we're saying, like literally what we're saying so much of the time. And we're seeing spells being cast now more than ever. And in these echo chambers, people, they're making it harder. So if someone who's like watching the news, watching the TV, who's staying at home and getting all their information from the sources that they rely on. Um, if I were to try to talk to them, they have all, it's like Pavlov's dogs. They have like the triggers they're like, Oh, as soon as I start to say something about a certain topic, they're like, oh, this person is this, this, and this. It's already there. And they're, now their opinion is formulated and they already have a defense against me because now they're trained to listen for like buzzwords, keywords, and my approach. And like, oh, this guy, oh, he's one of those people that, you know, he's conspiracy theorist, alt-right, da, 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 whatever. And it's, it's programming through language, through words. So all that's very intriguing to me. That's been my biggest impact. If anything, the podcast journey that I started kept has kept bringing me back to that, to word magic, to language, to the power of our speech. And hopefully my speech is coming in all right. The utility company decided to start banging on sidewalks and breaking things up and jackhammering stuff outside uh, not too long ago. If you can't hear it, that's great. Um, then I said that for no reason. But it's funny because I, I brought it on myself. I I uh, post. They dug a huge hole in my yard several months ago, and then it just was left there. And I was like, you know, this is really neat. I think other people should see this. And I posted it on Facebook with like a sarcastic kind of caption about how how much I appreciate the utilities company. 
And because of my sarcasm, today's the day they came to start working on on the street and banging on things. <laughs> but that's completely irrelevant. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk about the word magic a little more because, like I said, the, the podcast journey has just kept bringing me back to that and that we don't necessarily know what we're saying. And it's difficult because one of the deepest roots of our solipsism or or sort of like relativism, that the roots of moral relativism could be uh, language relativism, which is where we don't really define our terms well enough to be on the same page. And we let language slip and change over time. I don't know where the balance is, because obviously our words need to evolve and change. Like if we can't upgrade the way we use language now and change it, then we're in trouble. But there is something to that, especially with like, I think what most interests me is how the legal language, legalese, is a, is Latin to the English grammatical set, and it's a copyrighted language. And those, I guess my point is like, there's always been a priestly language and then like a common language, like the vulgar tongue. And the vulgar tongue is constantly changing and even being manipulated by the higher ups. But this priestly language, just like legalese or Latin, which is a dead language, they say that the Vatican uses, those don't change. Those definitions stay solidly the same unless they need to change them for a specific purpose like changing the definition of pandemic conveniently right before all this started happening <laughs> interesting i don't know that what, what is that what is what was the definition i i couldn't tell you the change the shift in the the wording but essentially it was something to do with just making it fit the criteria of what's actually happening i think like just reducing you know Reducing or shifting the language to call something legally a pandemic. Like, look into that, guys. Fact check me on that one. I, I remember being shown that by multiple people, but it's been a while. Uh, but, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but hey, let's, let's get some positivity in here. I, I have a couple of 2020 related questions for you. Sure. What's a positive story of 2020 that jumps out in your mind that maybe people haven't heard about? Well, the first thing that comes to mind for me is a personal story, and that's that I have a baby, and JP Sirius has a baby. And honestly, so many people around me in my like immediate sphere of influence here in you know Eastern Washington and elsewhere in my life, so many babies are born this year, and I don't think it's any sort of mistake. I was so Sonia's pregnancy completely paralleled the pandemic. We found out she was pregnant in mid-February or actually late February. And a few weeks, few weeks later is when everything just blew up. So as the world got crazier and crazier, she got more and more pregnant. So it was like these dueling storylines for me. And one was scary and one was beautiful. And the first few months, I was pretty uncomfortable and nervous and concerned and wondering whether or not we'd you know, made a mistake and picked the wrong time. And then all of a sudden, something shifted. And I thought, no, no, he's coming at exactly the right time. It's not a mistake. He's meant to be here. Of course, at that time, we didn't know that it was a boy or a girl. So the baby is coming at the right time. He or she uh, is, is going to be here for a reason. It's right now for a reason. And it's not a mistake. And that's beautiful. And that actually gave me more strength, and more confidence, knowing that I was bringing life into this world because... He's now here and he's got a, he's got a role to play in all this. And it's exactly, it's, it's, it's going to play out exactly the way it's supposed to. And that gives me a lot of hope 
you know, he's, and, and also he has two awesome parents who are going to be, you know, in this world where a lot of people are, let's say, you know, trusting in authority a little too much. Uh, we will be there to really guide him and raise him well. And, uh, that's beautiful. So on a personal level, that's what I think is the most positive thing is all, all the children who are around who, and all the parents around who are, you know, not bowing to this agenda. And in addition to that, let's see, I think, I think whether, let me phrase this just right. Every time something happens that furthers an agenda no matter what it is even if it's a really scary thing it has a, a, a dual effect in one way it's there to you know lock something in more but it also serves to liberate so many people in in turn like it's 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 almost equal hopefully anyway because when i see when i go to conferences i mean i've been going down the rabbit hole which i don't even like anymore but i've been you know down this path for a long time. And when I go to conferences, most people I meet are only recently switched on and asking questions and wanting to know more truth. And to me, that's really positive. So the bigger the event, the more people are going to question it. And this is the biggest one. I think this is even bigger than, you know, what happened in September 19 years ago. Uh, and so many people are questioning what's happening and they're pushing so hard right now, especially with what's coming out with like vaccinations and stuff. I'm having people I know personally who are skeptical, who, I, who have never been skeptical, skeptical at anything that I've seen. And they're like, this is weird. That's promising. So I'm always on the optimistic side of the equation. And I think that there is a, I think maybe they push a little too hard in 2020 and it's going to serve to, you know, have a reverberation and people are going to, uh, hopefully not succumb as easily as they would like. Right on. <laughs> Man, uh, to go back to your first positive story, that just really makes me happy to hear. I think you're totally right. Uh, there's, there's no wrong time for life to continue to exist, to come into existence. I mean, what is more nature than that? <laughs> that's, it's, that's really what it is, man. Like you, <clears throat> when a lot of people have been going through some serious dark night of the soul stuff, your crucible was a constructive one. And, you know, I'm just glad that you're fearlessly doing that. I'm really interested too. in what's like the timing of that is really good for you because maybe you would have never put him in public school anyway, but now nope. what's going on. Other people that might be having kids right now are going to be, by the time their kids are five, this whole gamified skill badge, like digital crypto skill locker. Uh, I mean, I'm going to kind of maybe overview this a little bit. It's something that I've been trying to get my head around. But what the future seems to be looking like, this great reset future in terms of education, is that we're taking teachers out of the picture. Teachers will be software administrators. And everything's going to be completely moderated through screens uh, at all times. Probably not going to even at some point have kids going to physical locations or classrooms anymore. And you know, maybe like the government will provide them their Amazon manufactured tablet for their 
whatever their classes are, but there's this thing happening where they're going to be like, whenever you get a certain certification, you'll, you'll have your skills listed on this sort of digital ID 2020, however this is going to look. And so I wonder about, you know, me, people our age and uh, maybe a, a bit younger than us, how that's going to look for us trying to find employment in this future gig economy where everyone is just really taking turns being <laughs> masters and servants in, in a rotation. Uh, how, how's that going to look for kids that don't go through the same type? You know, like for us, we might be able to handle because we've established some connections. We might be able to handle not having our, our skills in this digital wallet or whatever. But it, I think that the future that we need to be looking to create for for the next generation is going to need to be one where they can exist outside of all that. And the skills of like real life skills of uh, how to grow your own food, you know, practical stuff. Yes. And that reality you just outlined is not a foregone conclusion. You know, they're trying to make it so, but the future is unwritten and we have no idea what's going to happen. And I'm, I'm an optimist, and they <laughs> are pushing, I think, extra hard now. And I think that it's, there's going to be a lot of resistance. And furthermore, I think uh, every era has its own set of challenges. I think that's part of the deal here in this experience of life. We have to seek truth and seek a righteous path so that we can individually overcome, you know, for lack of better terms, a satanic world. And it's always, it's, it's, a, it's, there's a different flavor for every generation. And this is a, this was perhaps the culmination of a lot actually, but Hey, this is, this is, this is the hand we're dealt. And I think this is, it's our opportunity to overcome this obstacle um, and challenge. And I, <laughs> I just don't see that scenario reaching its reaching its uh realization i hope not of course i'm an optimist and i have a child but it just seemed it's so ridiculous that i'm uh hoping that like you're saying homesteading and learning more practical skills like that's the reverberation like that's the that's the, the effect that this is having like for me we're about to buy an acreage property over in idaho and you become homesteaders as a result, you know, we're expediting the process because of the insanity of the world. And like, as they try to push that way, the, the resistance pushes the other way. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So it's all intimidating, but I don't know. It's also a really exciting time to be alive because we're reaching the crescendo of something. And the old normal was something that we've all been railing against for the last 15, 20, 30, 40 years. You know, there was like, it was already pretty bad. And now it's reaching its sort of like climax and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. We need a people's reset <laughs> people reset yeah. their own life. And it has nothing to do with trying to reset all of society uh, from some top down level. I think, you know, I really love your apocalyptic optimism. I'm with you. Best apocalypse ever, as James true likes to say, because yeah, every, every bad thing that's happening in the world, every agenda for, for someone that's ready, that's fuel for their fire, just like everything negative in nature. Everything that's the black and the darkness is also the foundation or the canvas or the, you know, manure for something else to grow. And even even the death that has happened in the world this year, it's the same as the death that happened every other year in that it was what was going to happen. And <laughs> I think the whole 
sort of technocratic future is really just marketing. Like, I don't see how, <laughs> I just don't, I don't trust the technology that much that it could be so lockstep and tightly controlled with where, you know, when, with nothing going wrong, when I can barely get someone at my day job to uh, help me get QuickBooks to work if it glitches out, okay. you know, and that's old technology. Yeah, I know. Totally. <laughs> and, and it's, and I, some people sometimes give me a hard time because I'm like, I try to remain really enthusiastic about the potential of change. I'm still, you know, I, I have to deal with my own like sad reality of the situation as well. Like I have family members, friends who are absolutely taking the bait for this. And that is hard. And I'm, I'm not just like, it's not just like blind optimism and seeing everything as with rose colored glasses on. I definitely see like in order to, for this to topple, and fail, it has to get worse. So we're still like seeing the sort of like uh, the growth and the, the onset. And then eventually I think things balance, but yeah, it's, it's still tough. Like I'm watching my nephew, my niece beg for the vaccine and really that sucks. But, uh, again, eyes on the prize, eyes on what's on what we can control. And, you know, if anything, this is making me, especially being a father and a, husband now so locked into um focus and responsibility i'm no longer just you know 20 something guy in la like figuring out what to do i'm now like okay here's my game plan here's what you know here's, here's what i'm gonna accomplish today and this is the goal for the week and this is how i'm gonna get my you know, keep food on the table and this is where we're gonna live and it's a whole new <laughs> reality um but yeah yeah, instead of existing in the gamified corporate false persona world, like, you know, where it seems like the best way to describe the way that normies are going or NPCs are going is that with the, they're making the avatar of themselves their only reality more and more. I know this is someone who's played so many video games, it's like unbelievable. And that's like giving your your spiritual currency your attention your energy to this avatar that what you're doing is like your video game is your life and you're on a new level now and there's a lot of challenges to that but you have your object your you know quest objectives and you've got all the resources you need and you've leveled up a bunch and you're ready to do it i think that's so awesome <laughs> i hope that other people are finding themselves in the same position where like it's time to create what my experience is going to be instead of have it dictated from the outside quite so much, because then you can smoothly to a degree, you can smoothly transition into your great right. reset instead the of more, yeah. calamitously. The more dependency we have on the system, the harder it'll be to withdraw and the less and the, the more community of like-minded people and trusting trustworthy community you have around you, the better suited you are to withstand whatever is to come. I think that's priority, you know, being, I want to surround myself with good people and, uh, take care of many of as many of the resources as I can. And just like, you know, have a, have one foot in Babylon while I transition away from it as much as possible. And, uh, yeah, like being self-sufficient. Like that's, that's what I feel like the big talk about a grand conspiracy. We were seduced away from that. That's what our roots are. You know, 
we're, we're, we're a lot of us are getting this call to go back to nature. Well, that's it's just us remembering, you know, where where we came from. We're we're meant to have a relationship with the with the land around you. That's your that's where your home is. That's your that's what you steward. That's what you take care of. And the community works together to raise the children and all that and, and no cycles and how to grow food. Like all that's part of the human experience that's been, I wouldn't say it's been taken away. It's been, we've been seduced away from it through industrial revolution and through uh, materialism and the idea of fame and following a dream and you know having everything at your fingertips in the grocery stores, like all that like slowly brought us away from our, our nature. And now it's like they just pulled the rug out from under us. So like, aha, we've got you. And now you have to do everything we want you to do. And we're freaking out because we don't have the skills anymore to rely on. We have to like go learn them again. And yeah, it's uh, <laughs> we're in a, we're in a very <laughs> tricky situation. Yeah. I mean, the, it's, it's crazy to think that uh, dependency on the government is infantilization and you have infantilized people having their own literal babies. And so how could you really care for a baby that you, when you are yourself like psychologically one. And I, I speak from experience. I mean, there's so many things that I like areas of development of my manhood that require serious adulting to, to get both, myself man. in gear. I mean, we all have a lopsided development, I think. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I feel like in an ideal, and I don't want to say an ideal world, cause I don't think there is such a thing, but like in a better model, uh, I probably could have been ready to run my own business and have a family by the time I was 15 or 16 years old. I really believe that, but that's not the world we live in. We we're living this like delayed adolescence that sort of just gradually lazily turns into middle-aged and then the absolute dependence. Well, I think this is interesting too. I want to talk about, you know, the draw to do something like be an actor, this like feeling that a lot of us in the United States at least have when we're young and then especially in adolescence of like, I want to make something of myself. Some, a lot of us keep that, type, that feeling of ambition. I want to make something of myself. Um, I think at the core of it, there's this deep desire that most, most of us have to be seen and recognized and praised and, you know, told that we're a good boy and patted on the head. That's me anyway. And I think that part of the, the draw for fame is maybe a lack of being seen in our daily lives. I, I think that really does happen to adolescents a lot. I mean, especially ones that are not very socially connected, not the popular kids or, or whatever. The whole school system is it's gross. I mean, we all know how things go in there and how some kids just like once they are labeled as the the weird one, they can be sort of left out. But my point is that what, like what you're doing for your family, uh, is, there, is there any better feeling than being seen by the, your wife who you love more than anything, seen doing good, seen doing good for your family, for yourself? That's the ultimate recognition. Or like if you had a, you know, a small group on a homestead, a few families, you're working your ass off to, uh, to set up the, the permaculture system and your, your friends or your other family members see you doing that. And they're, they're just like, wow, Benny is really kicking ass. He's working so hard. Great job, Benny. Makes them feel like they want to work harder, but makes you feel good to be seen doing that. I think it's just like we need to, we don't need to kill this part of ourselves or like kill this ego 
or even our desire to be recognized or seen. We just need to like shift what behaviors we're doing so that it's a natural outcome that we're, you know, recognized and seen because what we're doing is literally good, not putting on the show of doing good or not attention seeking behavior just for the attention sake, I guess. Yeah. And shift our definition of success, not just recognition, but success. I think that's something that's another trick that society plays on us through all the toxicity. Uh, this idea that success is achieved through notoriety, through you know copious amounts of material wealth, recognition, like you said, but, but success is really much more simple. Success is having good friends and people who care about you and love in your life, having you know, I have a wife, like what a, and she's my absolute equal. That's a success story. I have a baby now. That's a success story. I've never wanted for a meal in my life. That's a success. You know, these are, are and it took me a long time to realize how simple the, you know, a successful life could be. I had to go through that whole journey of thinking I needed to be an actor, needed to be important, needed to be, you know, make a lot of money and live in Malibu or whatever. And, walk the red carpet. Like I thought that was success. And it's actually just an illusion that has no promises and is empty and doesn't really have any guarantees. But the real success is simple. And it's, <laughs> it's not that hard to find. So, okay. I think that at this point in the first hour would be a great time to maybe highlight <laughs> what you're doing that people can connect with. Talk about some of you know, the fa your favorite things that you've put out this year or things that maybe people would have missed or you just want them to see. Sure. Well, if this is the first hour that people get without like transitioning to like the, the, the paid version, the paid hour, right? Okay. Well, the one thing I want to make sure people know that they have, that they can participate in it if they want is I've spent the last six months creating something that I think is really valuable. Uh, it's a course called Parhesia. And Parhesia literally means free speech. It's a word that's been lost from our lexicon. And it's all about communication. So I've created something that I feel very, very, very proud of. Uh, actually more excited about this than anything else I've created because it's an actual service to people. And it's to help people become better communicators. How to overcome their fear of speaking publicly or on a stage, which when you get over those kinds of fears, you can actually, you're much more confident and much more able to engage in any way with other people. And how to stop being a conspiracy theorist. These are like the major tenets of what I'm trying to do. How to conquer your fear of speaking generally. How to stop being that person who fire hoses people with information and gets worked up and angry and actually distances people from the information you're wanting them to hear about. And then third, how to find your voice creatively, whatever that is for you, whether it's poetry or writing songs or painting pictures, how to like unlock the masterpiece that's inside all of us. So I've created this course. I'm really excited about it. And, um, I have people, and I'm accepting my first season of students right now. I just had my beta course over the summer. It went really well. And uh, that's my major project I'm working on. I've been working on all year. That's like my real passion project of the moment. In addition to that, 
I write poetry all the time. I have a my goal is one poem every month. I've been doing that for about three years now, which has brought about really awesome volume of work. It's on the verge of being published by um, my first book is on the verge of being published by Geoward Griffin, who is a legend in the truth community. It's an honor, and he's he's publishing the book. And um, subscribe to my YouTube channel while it still exists. I do a, a weekly meme show every Monday night to bring levity to the situation and offer a place for people to come and let off some steam and laugh. And uh, it's been a pretty fun thing to do. I'm, I'm on my 30th episode, 30th week of memes on Monday. And yeah, that's, that's, that's like my major, the major tenets of my life right now. Parhesia, the course I'm teaching, poetry that is like my way of you know, making sense of everything and finding my own way of communication and articulating my thoughts and truth. And then uh, laughter, ease, ease, community. So I'll leave it there. Yeah, that's, you know, when you're not taking care of yourself and uh, helping out around the house and changing the new baby, you're a busy guy. You're, you're keeping, but I'm sure you don't feel like, I feel like it sounds like you're just doing all the stuff that you love so much. It doesn't feel maybe super busy, but what I mean is I'm, busy. <laughs> I'm impressed with everything you're doing. I think I mean, that course actually sounds like something I would want to do. So I'll send me some information after I will. this and I'll that's check what everyone it out. Says, and, I, and that's why I know it's a good thing because we could also, especially now more than ever, when we're meant to be divided, I feel like I can help you build bridges back to those people. So you don't lose friends and family. I'm so sick of hearing stories of people losing touch with people or not being able to talk to people they love because of these issues, whatever they may be. And I really feel like I've refined a way of communicating that will not only lose the people or not only not lose the people, but also get them to hear what you want to say. And that's valuable. So anyone can email me anytime at Benny, Benny at Benny Wills, not Willis. Wills.com. Benny at BennyWills.com. Email me and I'll write you back. Gosh, this is like the 50th time I mispronounced the last name. Everyone does like, it, dude. Everyone I see what I want to see. Garden has done that to me. It's okay. <laughs> I, I guess the amount of times that uh, my name has been mispronounced is probably that many times too. Just not on, not on the air. I have one job as a podcast <laughs> host. But yeah, I think I, I could, I, I think there's people in my life that wouldn't outright say that they avoid me but that I was close to. And then, and I can't figure out why I'm not like that close with them anymore. And I do fire hose people with information. Like, and sometimes it's just so esoteric and I'm just like, there's, this is probably not useful right now, but yeah, I think that I could use the assistance. And also yeah, okay. it would just be, you know, do the placebo effect of doing a course like that. There's levity in it, it is in and of itself. And it's fun. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, as a performer and a presenter, I mean, I've been performing on stage for 20 plus years of my life. I'm very comfortable on stage. I know how to connect with an audience and I know how to like tell, I know how to share the tools that I have to be an engaging, not only to conquer fear, but how to be interesting while you're doing it and how to not be that guy that you just made, that you just referenced, the guy who fire hoses information, who just walks away from the conversation feeling like shit. Like, I don't think they heard anything I said. In fact, they probably think I'm crazy now. Stop being that person. You don't have to be that person. You can communicate in a way that's not because I used to be that guy too. And that's what the whole conspiracy guy series of videos on my on my Joy Camp channel are making fun of myself because that's the way I was. And I learned 
you know, from those experiences, how to not be that person, how to be more or just better at communicating and better at dropping subtle seeds of curiosity rather than like, boom, 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 information. You know, you got to like open the door for someone and let them walk through and not shove them through, you know, just show them that there's a door. That's the key. Um, but anyway, yeah. So if you're interested in the course, just email me and we can talk about it. I'll do a discovery call. We can talk and, you know, really see where you're at and see if you're interested in what I'm offering. Yeah, well, we'll do that. And I think part of what the fire hosing is, it goes unrecognized as like a neat, maybe we do recognize it, but we want to be right. And there's sort of an energetic take that happens whenever you like demolish somebody with information and they're like, in your mind, you're hoping they're going to be like, oh, shit, you're right. I can't believe it. And then a, par a part of us might be wanting to be seen as like this amazing, knowledgeable savior. And whenever we get the rejection or we tell ourselves that we just got rejected, even if we maybe didn't, we uh, we get it, We take an energetic hit. I think that we it's a self-sabotage thing. And I, I really think that what you're talking about is very needed if we're going to be bridge builders instead of bridge burners big time. Yes. And that's a, what you just said. People don't normally, typically want you to be the person who changes their mind about something. They don't want a teacher. In fact, if you like give them new information that replaces information that they currently are leaning on, they take it as like some kind of blow to their, like their, their individuality, who they are. Like they take it like personally, but you don't want to do that. You want to be like, you're wrong about this and here's the right information. In fact, if you walk, if they, if you walk away from the conversation, and they come back, learn, having learned what you wanted them to learn, and you get, and get no credit for it. That's the victory. Take no credit. Like let them figure it out on their own. But you have to, you know, it's the, it's the nuance of like laying out the groundwork for them to get there, and then taking your own ego out of it, so that when they realize it, they think it was all them. You had nothing to do with it. That's the success. That's something else. That's the nuance. And uh, what comes to my thing. mind? Huh? I, I'm just thinking like. It's kind of like if you had a bag full of seeds and you went to a, a bad patch of soil that's really rocky and dry and you put one seed in the ground, you covered it up and you just look at that seed and you're like, grow, damn it. Why won't yeah. you grow when you could just be like going somewhere much more fertile and dropping seeds everywhere and going on with your day? Exactly. And who knows? I mean, people reach out to me sometimes from 10 years ago or more and they'll be like, Hey man, we had this conversation this one time about this thing and I thought you were crazy. And, but now I see, and like, wow, really thank you for like opening up this whole world of possibility. And I'm like, wow, that's, I don't even remember the conversation, but that's awesome that you're, you're, you remembered it and then it changed something for you. But that's the key. Like, you know, you, you said plant the seed and hope, hopefully it grows. Um, and also remember that people are, they're coming from what they think is a good place. You know, most people have a hard time hearing conspiracy because they don't want to think that people could be that bad. So they're coming from a place of there's no way their their empathy is telling them no way are you onto something because there's no way that these people would mislead me. No way. I don't see I, I can't I can't accept that that there's that level of deception and evil. And so you have to remember that that's where they're coming from. Like. They don't want to think that. 
things could be as bad as you're outlining perhaps and, you know there's a, we we can find common ground with anybody anybody and yeah i'll leave it there well okay so in the last couple minutes here do you think you can bequeath some poetry on us my man i'd love to bequeath sure let me find one that's good uh, let's see applicable to our conversation so far okay i have two that i'm thinking of okay i'll do this i'll do one that because we were i've been using this term so much i wrote this poem called they to address the issue of they because a lot of times you know if you are having that like passionate conversation with someone and you're explaining how things work and what's going down and they're like, well, who, who is they, who are you talking about? Who is doing all this? And it's a tricky, that's like a curveball question for someone to ask. It's like, ah, it's, it's complicated, you know? So I try to address the topic and the issue of they, and I'll read it for you. They are ruthless. They are heartless. They don't care about our health. They are greedy. They are seedy. They rob us of our wealth. They deceive us. They mistreat us. They numb us with TV. They mislead us. They disease us. They say obedience is key. They put poison in the water. They put poison in the air. They put poison in the food supply. Then they tell us that they care. They engage in endless war. They send our sons away to die. They send our daughters away as well now under equality's disguise. They peddle pills to millions. They push debts into the trillions. They scare us. They impair us while they carpet bomb civilians. They teach us life is meaningless. They tell us all is random. They say have faith in scientists and authority in tandem. They are ubiquitous. They seem omnipresent. They control the past from perches present. They plot and plan and scheme in secret. Exploitation, their great achievement. The puppeteering, invisible all-seers. The profiteering, racketeers of fear. The cult of death to which mankind adheres. They are behind it. But who is they? Satanists? Zionists? Globalists, socialists, people who script the news, Freemasons, Disney, Jesuits, the Vatican, NASA, Netflix, the Jews, bankers, aliens, the Clintons, the Queen, the Rothschilds, Henry Kissinger, Crown Council of 13. It doesn't really matter because the solution to they is we, us and you, and me. They are pathological. They are pitiful. They are diabolical. They are miserable. They are wicked beings living wickedly. And their punishment is their wickedness. Man, I could just do two hours of that. <laughs> I got two hours. Of that. Man, that's awesome. Thanks for that, Benny. Hey, man. And my pleasure.
Benny Wills, not Willis. My goodness. Wills, not Willis. Yeah. But okay, we'll catch you on the second hour. We're going to wrap up this first one. Thanks everyone for being here. Benny Wills, is that the YouTube channel name too that's linked in my show notes? Yes, youtube.com slash Benny Wills, bennywills.com. <sighs> Email me if you're interested in the course, Benny at bennywills.com. And literally, I mean, I'm everywhere. Joycamp, youtube.com slash joycamp is my other YouTube channel. I'm also on BitChute and Brighteon and all, I mean, I'm, I'm everywhere. Just, you can find me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for working so hard to get this good stuff out there. All right, we'll, we'll catch you on the second hour. Thanks, Pam. All right, everybody. Thanks for making it all the way to the end of an episode. That's always cool, especially if you stick around and hear me out for a couple minutes while I tell you whatever I'm going to talk about here. But first thing I want to say is that I'm feeling really grateful about this year. I know it's been a hard one for everybody, but in a lot of ways, things always get better and worse at the same time. We're expanding in all directions at once, right? So I hope that you can say the same, that you can see in yourself all the expanding and growing you've been doing this year. And I think I'm going to pop out at least one more show before 2020 is over, but I've already recorded that and I'll get to it. But this is a good point, in my opinion, because today is the solstice as I record this. And it's also that that big, great conjunction that everyone's talking about. And I'll get to that. But I just wanted to express that gratitude because without the audience that has supported me and listened to the show, there's not a lot of point other than to me doing this other than I like to have these types of conversations. But in all honesty, some of the really cool people that I've got to meet and converse with because of the podcast, I don't think I would have gotten a two-hour conversation with them if we weren't recording it to make content. And that's not to speak to them as like you know, all they care about is their career or their content or whatever. It's just that some of the most awesome people are really busy and they need to do two things at once. And I can respect that. And these type of talks, they're just really awesome for me. And I appreciate that you're tuning in and getting something out of it too. And Benny was a real fun guest. And this was a little bit more of a casual conversation. Maybe it seems like as a host, I'm phoning it in here at the end of the year and not preparing a whole lot, but I wanted to just meet Benny and talk guy to guy about whatever came up and just see what was there in the flow in the ether. And I think that turned out to be a fun conversation, hopefully good for everybody. Didn't I mean, I knew he just had a kid. I didn't expect to talk about the kid so much, but that doesn't mean I didn't want to. I find all that really interesting. In fact, I mean, it's actually for me to get personal, like I wonder if I'm going to have a kid when I'm his age or by then, before then, or at all. You know, like, I'm at 31. It does give me some sadness to think maybe that's not in the cards for me in this life. Uh, I know it's not too late either. And you never know what might happen with you, but <laughs> it just seems like that's there's definitely a call of nature that goes on at some point in our life. And if you're as old as me or older, you've probably felt it. If you're younger, maybe not yet, but it makes a lot of sense that life is about continuing life. There's not a point to life other than life itself, which means that nature urges us to procreate <laughs> and to teach and pass on what we know and what has helped us and what we think will be beneficial to the world at large, to those that come after us. And in in a way, like as a an author or as a podcaster or as a, another type of artist, you can pass on what you know to future generations really well. But 
there's a lot of noise out there and you're never going to have the exact same level of, I don't know, impact as you would on your own child and for good or bad, of course. And no one does it all good and very few do it all bad. Anyway, I'm not trying to mope about that, but I, I wonder about that. And I think that, you know, if it happens, it's meant to be sure. But I'm proud of people like Benny who are fearlessly taking that that challenge by the horns and deciding, you know what, it's not a bad time for this to happen. Whether or not he did it on purpose, I don't know. But taking advantage of his level of knowledge to make sure that this goes well for him. We talked in the second hour about how his approach to vaccines and birth certificates and newborn works. And uh, that's really interesting to me as well. I wanted to ask that question since we had been on the subject. You'll have to tune into that hour through Patreon if you want to hear whether or not he got vaccinated or got birth certificated or any of that. (laughs) So that's fun. Um, Yeah. Pay me money to hear more about Benny's private life. It's kind of weird, but it's only five bucks a month. I do like to have your support. Uh, In fact, the more of you that support the show, the more I'm going to make be able to make this like the main thing I do and not have all these side hustles that I require currently to sub- subsist here um, in this society. <laughs> yeah. So that's on Patreon forward slash interverse, patreon.com forward slash interverse. Everything is linked in the show notes, including Benny's YouTube channel website. You know that if you're a podcast professional listener, you know how all that works, but Okay, so I guess since I'm on the subject of plus, I'll just throw it all out there. We also talked about poetic metaphors in the Bible, about not taking it literally. Uh, we have some interesting, similar views on the Jesus Christ guy and uh, what the Bible is trying to tell us. And there's so many ways to slice that particular pie and look at it, angles to look at it. And I love that. It's really become a, <laughs> I won't say that I've been reading a lot of it in terms of like just going through chapters of the Bible and reading it. That'll come, but I have so many books I want to read right now, uh, and I spend so much time not reading, so it's slow going. However, I think at some point I will probably do more actual direct reading of it myself, but it helps It helps me to just look at verses at a time or concepts in the Bible just as much as reading it probably would. And Anyway, not to get stuck on that, it wasn't like the whole show, whole plus hour. Hopefully you don't hate the Bible out there or think that it's a terrible thing to talk about. You know, I get that there's seeming contradictions in it, and there's definitely evidence of alteration all through it. But that being said, the the spirit of of what comes through, if you look at it poetically and metaphorically, there's a lot of useful things pointing you to natural law there. And I think the most anti-natural law thing we could do is self-harm or harm to others. And on that subject in the plus extension, we talked about the harm going on to people who've taken the covid vaccine so that's fun fuck you youtube if you heard me oh man i probably shouldn't have said those words together Uh (laughs) uh-oh i said a lot of words that they they don't like Uh uh-oh we also talked about is a uh, cyber attack imminent are there clues being laid that that's the next part of the plan as far as how to move us further into a lockdown reality we also compared communism the psychological breakdown methods that communists used in the past to uh, indoctrinate mind control, break the will of their prisoners and dissidents. And that's been studied a lot over the decades. And if you compare the tenets and the game plan of that type of mind control 
It's actually amazingly similar to the lockdowns that we see right now. Uh, if you're curious about that, just go to Corbett Report. Look for his New World Next Year video that he did with uh, Media Monarchies, James Evan Pilato. James and James, James Corbett and James Evan Pilato, really great resources. Benny and I talked about in the Plus Extension, I think it was, more of the resources that he likes for this type of research. Those two are really good. And they in that video, uh, the New World Next Year, that is referring to their wrap-up of 2020 and what they think is coming in 2021. That's where we got the information of the communism compared to lockdowns, communist mind control, whatever, uh, prisoner of war, torture. <laughs> so now I'm not telling you you're a prisoner of war. I don't want you to identify as being a prisoner, but the, the whole way that this great reset is moving is towards a open air prison society reality where everything is tracked and monitored at all times. So you're pretty much under the thumb at all times. And of course, we got into what we think about the Great Conjunction, which is now, right this minute. I mean, the planets of Jupiter and Saturn have been conjoined for a long time. So uh, now that we're here and nothing titanic happened today, <laughs> I mean, some things in my personal life were like, whoa, that's a big change. That's a big shift. That's a pendulum swing for sure in my personal life, but I don't need to get into that. Uh, maybe the same is true for you, but you know, we don't see the new world order or something coming out and being like, this is our age. We've it's now here. Not, nothing like that is going to happen. I think the best way to look at the great conjunction. And uh, I got, I got this idea reflected back at me that I was thinking this from Dylan Sicocchio going on crow triple seven, our good friend, Dylan, the author of spirit world, guest on previous shows we've done. He came back on the Crow 777 radio podcast. Go check that out. They did a great conjunction, great episode. And anyway, he and I are on the same page of looking at this thing, this conjunction, this moment in time. It's not so much about a big event. It's about seeds that are being planted that are going to carry on into the next era. And we may not see some of those seeds sprout and take root for a while. They'll happen in different rates probably, but I think it makes sense that we've been in the beginning of the age of Aquarius for a long time, really. And with these things, it's this big spectrum, right? I don't really see like these lines cross this line and now it's different. You know, think about think about when it's 1259 on the clock and then one on the clock, right? Just because now we've gone from 12 to one, 1259 to one, and a minute hand and an hour hand line up at a certain point, you know what? Whatever. That doesn't actually mean anything changed. Uh, <laughs> eternity is still eternity. Nature is still nature. The cycle that we're in is still the cycle that we're in. And just as spring doesn't just happen instantly or uh, right after winter, it gradually shifts. That's where we're at with this age shift thing. But another thing that blew my mind about the Great Reset, Great Conjunction, you love this one. So Jupiter and Saturn, that's what's conjoining, right? Right. Uh, Re or Ray, R-E, Ray. That's an old name for Jupiter, yo. Uh, <laughs> and Set is an old name for Saturn. If anyone's keen on Egyptian or Kemetan mythology, we all know about that archetype, Set, Satan, whatever, uh, the ba big bad lizard man. So the great reset, the great Ray plus Set, R-E plus S-E-T, Jupiter plus Saturn, Ray plus Set, reset. What do you know? 
they've been repackaging the same inky Enlil, Jesus, Satan, Jupiter, Saturn thing, Kronos, Zeus. It's been over and over and over the same exact archetypes recycled the thumbprints of the priesthood that has been in control of this particular tub iteration of humanity, if you will, for a long time. So there it is. Great reset. Great conjunction. Blows my mind. And you know, <clears throat> I think it defeats us to look at a date and be like, this is the date of 5D. This is the date of ascension. This is that. Because whenever the date comes and life continues on, and it's not the end of the world or it's not, we're not in a new dimension, then you look like a, a silly person. And any other really useful information that you've been collecting and researching and so carefully and lovingly trying to bring to people, now it loses credibility. And I, I, don't, I don't have any less love for someone that said that today the Great Conjunction was the 5D shift and now the Galactic Federation is here to save the planet and the good aliens have stopped the reptiles and all that fun fantasy stuff. No offense if you're into it, but... I haven't seen it. I don't, I haven't seen it. I see it in symbolism. I see all kinds of shit in symbolism, but symbolism is metaphor. It's poetry. Ugh. Taking everything so literally is literally messing us up. And it's ironic because the other thing that's literally messing us up is that we don't have literal definitions of words, but we take poetic metaphorical stories as literal. We're getting it backwards. And what well, I guess what I mean by that is how can we even do what we want in the world when we all have different definitions of different literary devices and words? When you look at the languages that control everything, they don't change. Latin doesn't change. Legalese only changes when they intentionally make an alteration to the copyrighted meaning of a particular word like they did with pandemic before all this started. Now, I don't know. I'm getting rambly right now. <laughs> I'm glad that I'm talking to you guys, though trying my best to not avoid my flow state and replace it with addictive behavior. But we all have our struggles, man. And I love video games. I can't help it. I could help it, but I like it too. Anyway, I hope you're planting good seeds today. I hope I plant good seeds today. There's still some evening left for me to do that. And, and uh, I hope this finds you well, right? This is probably going to drop. I'm probably going to get this out later tonight. But you're not going to be hearing it until after the solstice is over. So I really do hope that if you got together, had a campfire, saw some friends, were more social than I am. <laughs> I'm here at my house by myself doing this. But I'm with you guys, too, in spirit and across time, too, because you're hearing this at a different time than I'm recording it. Anyway, love you guys a lot. Um, one other funny thing from today I wanted to bring up was... Because we just did that Gematria episode with Derek, and it was so good. And I love Gematria, and I've been tripping out about it constantly. Not in a bad way, but seeing it, the more I look at it, the more I see it everywhere. And it's cool. It's, cool. it's kind of cool. It just makes life a little more interesting and fascinating to see through instead of just the surface of things. But on a Gematria note, today, on the solstice, of great timing, Joe, on... <laughs> On the solstice, 1221 of 2020, Joe Biden takes his COVID-19 vaccine live on CNN. I saw the playback of this and probably the most mind-blowing, obvious thing that they did about it. I guess you know, it's not obvious if you're not looking for numbers, but 
Maybe you're, you're familiar with it, maybe you're not. But 322, which happens, happens to be my birthday also, weird number. Uh, that's the lodge number of the Skull and Bones, Secret Society of Yale. You got George W. Bush coming out of there. John Kerry, tons of influential cult members that have had a huge impact on society are coming out of Skull and Bones. And their number, their signature number is 322. <clears throat> Excuse me. 322. And Biden gets his COVID vaccine this afternoon. And you watch the clock in his replay. And right when the needle, or the fake needle probably, or what, with the water-filled needle, probably not got whatever juice in it they're going to be giving to people, right when it touches his skin and punctures his arm, the clock goes from 321 to 322. And I'm just like, there it is. And letting you know, there's the nod and the wink. Hey, hey, we're putting on a play for you. This is all theater. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, I don't need to tell you guys that mainstream news is Hollywood and that the uh, presidential charade is Hollywood. Okay, maybe some of you I need to tell that again, because I feel like there's probably still some of you out there that think like, yeah, we got our guy in there or man, we got to get this overturned so our guy can get back in there. And they're not your guy. I'm not mad at you for thinking they're your guy. There's been a lot of really, really clever ways of convincing you that one of those two guys is your guy. But they're not. They're all in the same mafia, the same club. It's all fake. It's all not real. Don't put your faith in anything out there like that. Especially not these skull and bones or boners, <laughs> skull and boner cultists. My goodness, people. My goodness. Definitely come to Jesus here for all of us, I hope. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I'll talk to you guys one more time, at least before we're done with 2020. Uh, I'm going to get it for plus members that are on the $12 tier that do, we do those monthly group podcasts. Watch out for that. If you're hearing this before December's out, watch out for that on Patreon. I'm going to be shooting out also to your email address. You have tied to the account invites to sometime late in the month when we're going to get together and do that group podcast. I think I'm going to invite Matt Landman to join us and, uh, that way, if none of you show up, he can just take over. But <laughs> I want to meet with you guys that are in that tier. If you want to get access to a group podcast that will publish to the plus members only, not to free listeners. But if you want to get access to that as like be a part of the conversation, sign up for just a month, uh, $12 for the month. Have a fun recording conversation with me and a couple other subscribers that are uh, showing up for it. And it'll be cool. Uh, we have fun with those. Now I'm going to play you guys out with a track by one of my favorite producers, Savant, and the track is called Groovin'. It's from his new 40-track soundtrack-type album called uh, Insert Coin. You can find that on Bandcamp and SoundCloud. It's really good, groovy, funky, dark, uh, all kinds of range of music that I guess feels like a video game soundtrack or maybe a movie about video games. I don't know, but it's great. I love that producer. So I'm going to play us out with that track. I hope you like it. And um, I haven't talked about Benny much in this outro, but Benny, Benny's the man. I hope you're following him, too. He's really funny. Check out his Monday meme show. Oh, my God. That's probably right now. That's probably on right now. Oh, no. I should be tuning in. That sounds kind of cool. Maybe I will. I'm going to go tune in to Benny's meme, Monday night meme stream while I finish wrapping up this conversation. Enjoy the savant. Uh, Please sign up for Interverse Plus. I mean, please. You're still here and you haven't signed up. You're still listening to me talk. Just me. 
you kind of like me a little bit then, right? It's only five bucks. I mean, geez. I used to say like I tip a server five bucks, but I don't even tip. I, I tip servers more than five bucks now because I don't know, inflation or whatever, but I'm only asking for five bucks and it's all me doing this. I'm the only one doing it. If you like it at all, I'm, I need some assistance. Damn it. <laughs> help me out. Help me help you. Let's reciprocate this energy exchange. You know, if, I, I, I don't know. I hope that's convincing. I hate trying to sell shit. But it's good for all of us. It's good for all of us. We need to support things other than big corporate things. We need to support each other. And not to toot my own horn, but I support people that I like that are artists as much as I can afford to. And maybe even a little more than I could afford to. Because it matters. I know how good it feels when I get support for what I love to do. I want to spread that feeling around. Spread some back to me. (laughs) All right. Playing us out with Savant. I've been talking so long. I just get into it. I should do this more. (laughs) I guess I will. All right. You guys rock and I love you. And if we don't talk before the end of the year, have a great end of the year. Happy great conjunction today. Happy solstice. Happy everything. And uh, stay frosty out there. All right. Much love. Bye-bye.